Welcome to How to Ruin Your Own Reputation, the show where I talk to people who are living lives that some people just don't quite understand, and they're doing it unapologetically. Our topic today is one that's being talked about a lot, and it's, it's a little polarizing, and it's polarizing because it brings up feelings in people, and the truth is, for a lot of adults, they don't like feelings that we're not used to or that make us uncomfortable, and it's not that it's a new topic. But it's a topic that's new to a lot of people. And listen, the truth is, especially with adults, some of us aren't comfortable with being asked to rethink the way that we've been taught to think about certain things our entire lives. It feels uncomfortable, it feels complicated, and it can be a little scary. But that's exactly why we need to talk about it. We can't bury our head in the sand and, and think it's not important. We need to have conversations. We need to ask questions. We need to listen to answers because... I really believe that we're not that different from each other if we just take the time to have those conversations. But when something seems complicated, the best thing to do is to bring in an expert to help us figure it all out. So today, my guest is Ocean Atlas. Ocean is a non-binary um, educator and a gender diversity consultant. Um, they also wrote the book, Non-Binary for Beginners. And their pronouns are he, she, they, or no pronouns at all. Why is that important? Well, that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about. So let's just jump right in and welcome Ocean to How to Bring Your Own Reputation. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Marcy. I'm happy to jump right in. So I want to say first that I read your book, Non-Binary for Beginners, um, and it was full of information. But I think the thing that I liked best about it was the tone believe it or not, that you wrote it in. I think uh, it, it, you're not talking at us. It's not textbooky. You're not throwing a bunch of terms. What you're doing, I felt, is that you're really inviting us in for a conversation. And you're almost, it's almost like you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, thanks for wanting to know. Thanks for being here. Thanks for wanting to have this conversation. And I think that that is so welcoming. Uh, and so for anyone listening, it's such a great way to get the information that you need in a way that isn't as scary or preachy. So thank you. Thank you. That, that was exactly the objective. There's a lot of books about inclusivity or differences where, you know, one person's right, one person's wrong. And, and we kind of talk at each other. And I think in general, in our society today, we love talking at each other. And when we do that, we don't actually really learn anything from each other. So I wanted to make a space where it said, okay, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to not understand something just showing up and trying and showing someone that, you know, you, you care or at least want to think about caring, that is enough just to have a starter conversation. So it doesn't have to be about being afraid to make mistakes and afraid to get things wrong. It can be just, you know, if you have a tiny bit of curiosity and a tiny bit of empathy, maybe we can have a conversation and just remember that we're all on the same side here. We're all just human beings trying to do our best and, and live our lives. And, um, when we can do that in as inclusive a way as possible, and that's not just being inclusive for people who might need a little extra help, but inclusive for everyone, for wherever anyone is at, I think that that can lead to a lot more richer conversations. That's great. That's how, that's how we learn. We can't, we can't be experts on everything right away. We're going we're gonna to make mistakes, and it's, it's okay, but better to make those mistakes and then learn from them than to never have the right information to begin with. So, yeah, it's so the, important because 
you know, in our culture, we really glorify perfectionism and getting things right the first time. And then we also are in an age of epic cancel culture. So nobody wants yes. to say that one oh, thing true. that's just going to get you canceled forever. And because of that, that shuts down a lot of really important conversations where we could actually bridge these gaps and talk with each other and not be so separate. That's such a basic question. But the, the truth is, I know that there are a lot of people, I know people who just don't know what it means to be non-binary. Mm-hmm. So can, so can you just explain that? Please? Sure. So most things in life are not exactly black and white. That's what we're taught, you know, in school and when we're younger, that things are right or things are wrong. Things are black or they're white and you're a man or you're a woman. And that is true almost all the time in that particular case. It's just that there are some exceptions and not everyone fits into these neat little boxes. And that's true about every aspect of life, not just gender, is that when you have specific options, whether it's two or more, not everyone fits perfectly into those boxes. So when we're talking about binary, we're just talking about a choice of this or that, in this case, man or woman, and what happens to people that don't fit in either of those categories. So there's three types of people generally. There's people who we're born and a doctor says, oh, it's a boy. And that person grows up and thinks that they're a boy forever and that's wonderful. And then there's another person who is born and the doctor says, it's a boy. And that person says, why is everyone telling me I'm a boy when I'm actually a girl? And that is a transgender person, but within the binary. And then there's a third type of person that when the doctor says it's a boy, that person grows up and says, wait a minute, um, man doesn't quite make sense to me, but, but woman doesn't really make sense to me either. What do I do now? And then that mm -hmm. begins the glorious journey of finding a non-binary identity, which is confusing for everyone. Honestly, it's confusing for non-binary people too, not just people who aren't non-binary. So it is an ongoing conversation. And because its definition is necessarily outside of something that's known, it means that there isn't exactly a clear definition for what it is which is both extra confusing and also kind of beautiful because it means that you don't actually follow a specific rules to fit into a specific box. You can kind of make it up as you go along. And some of these people have some things in common and call that a certain thing. And some people don't. And you just get to live life according to what makes the most sense to you. So then let me ask you this. So what is the difference between there are some men, let's say, who are very stereotypically men. You know, they do all the things that we see in all the beer commercials, those, those guys, right? And then you've got women who are very stereotypically sparkly and makeup and you know, the stereotypes I'm talking about. Um, and, but then there are a lot of us who, who we, we identify as the gender that we were born into Please correct me if I mess up. Like, please. No, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the same time, we feel, sometimes we feel more masculine. Sometimes we mm -hmm. feel more feminine. Like we don't feel, so, so what makes, what's the difference there between someone who's sometimes like a woman who will, you know, throw on a lumberjack and, you know, go out and fix a car. God, I'm being so stereotypical. Um, and then sometimes we'll do really feminine things. What's the difference between that and someone who is non-binary who also doesn't fit into either extreme? 
it is an internal feeling, not an external feeling. And that's what makes it ex extra confusing because all of us have stereotypical masculine and feminine elements within us. And there are so many, you know, they call themselves butch lesbians. They are women mm -hmm. through and through. They might mm -hmm. look like men, but they are absolutely women, no matter how shaved their head is or what clothing they wear or how many sports they play. They are women. Some great examples of this are on sports teams, women's sports teams. These are women who have some maybe stereotypically masculine traits, but they are absolutely women. And that's the end of the story there. There are also men who call themselves cross-dressers because they love to wear women's clothing, but they are men because that is what they feel. So there is a difference between gender identity and gender presentation. And gender presentation is what we do with our hair, what we do with our makeup, what we do with our clothing, the type of music that we listen to, the way that we dance. Mm. That is all kind of a performance in how we are expressing ourselves, but it's not who we are and it's not who the gender is. So you can have uh, androgynous looking people who are non-binary. You can also have people who are extremely feminine, assigned female at birth. So when they were born, the doctor said it's a girl. They have long hair and fake eyelashes and they're wearing the sparkliest dress and, and they're still non-binary because that is what they know to be true about themselves. So it isn't as easy as looking at someone and saying, okay, this is how you dress. This is what your behavior is. Therefore, you're non-binary. It is a more personal conversation that you would have with someone, um, which is why, you know, people try to be a little bit more inclusive and suggest that people introduce uh, themselves with their pronouns because it can be a bit of a hint. However, just to make things extra complicated, <laughs> pronouns are also separate from gender. So some non-binary people love to be called they, them pronouns, and some don't. Some prefer to be called the pronouns that were their assigned gender at birth. So that when they're born, the doctor says it's a girl and they only want to be called she, her pronouns, but they're still non-binary. Or maybe when the doctor said it's a girl at birth, that they only want to be called he, him pronouns, but he still identifies as non-binary. So these are three separate areas that is really, really confusing for people that gender identity, who we are, non-binary or cisgender, which is uh, you were born and the doctor said something and you agreed and you always agreed forever. That's 99% of the population. It's a really uh, much easier place to be, honestly. And then, um, uh, you know, others, that is your gender identity versus your gender presentation, how you look, how you act, and then your pronouns, what you would like to be called when other people are referring to you. These are three separate areas and they can all mix and match just to make life um, a little bit more true for someone. Not easier, for sure not easier. I won't say that any of this is easy. It just makes it feel a little more authentic. So there's one thing I wanna, I wanna talk about pronouns, but I wanna go back to something you said because it, it clarified something for me. And I wanna see if I'm, <laughs> if I'm thinking of it right. Because when I said that sometimes you could feel, like even me, so let's say sometimes I feel sort of the more masculine part of me and sometimes I feel the more feminine part of me. But from what I'm, from what I'm learning it, from you right now, it's that even when I'm feeling the most, let's say I'm dressed more butchy or I'm, and I'm doing more, I still feel like a girl. I still feel yeah. like, whatever that, whatever That's that means. That's your truth. Whatever that means. That is still, so it doesn't matter what I put on. It doesn't matter. Even how that's I'm right. feeling at that time, I mm -hmm. still know that I, I'm like, that's how I feel. I feel like, so that's the difference. 
right? So that, I appreciate that because I, I understand that now. That's great. I see we have to talk about things to make yes, it clear. It's good to talk um, about. And there's another element yeah. of confusion in there because, you know, there, there's a bit of a conversation about how, especially with butch women, there, there is conversation out there that non-binary trans people are trying to take away all the butch women. We're trying to take something from someone. But the reality is that you are inside. So if you are a butch woman, no one's taking your womanhood from you. We love your womanhood. We want to celebrate your womanhood because it's your truth. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole turf subject, right? And that's, that's a big, I want, I do want to talk about that for a second, because I know that I've had this debate with people and, and uh, I know my producers have this debate with people. And, and I, and I think for me, I'm fairly new to the community and I find it disheartening that there is, I feel that there's a bit of a divide when it comes to this topic um, within the community which is a little disappointing. Um, so can you just touch on the whole turf thing? Because we're hearing about that a lot in the news too with J.K. Rowling and a few celebrities, right? Yeah, that, that breaks my heart because I love Harry Potter. And it's, it's like <laughs> one of those, can you separate the art from the artist? I'm trying to, I'm really trying. Sometimes, you know, we talk about having really open conversations. Sometimes it, it might just be best for someone to just stop talking for a while and just listen <laughs> for a little bit. Um, <laughs> But, but let's have a conversation. So TERF stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminists. There are some other acronyms as well, which, which aren't as nice. But this comes from an idea that we're going to be feminists and we're going to support women as long as trans people are not included in that. And this is an inherent conflict with the idea of feminism, which is about gender equality and not being penalized because of your gender. But the thing is that women in society, even though technically they're not a gender minority, I think women are the majority of a very small amount, um, are treated much worse than, than men are. You know, and I spent over a decade in corporate business, so, so I know what this is like. And when someone has a sense of victimhood in one area in their life, they tend to have two options. One is they look around them and they make sure that that sense of feeling of powerlessness and helplessness never happens to anyone else again because they know what that is like and they don't want to cause harm to other people. And then there's the other type, which is where hurt people hurt people comes from, right. where they take that hurt and they put it straight onto someone else. And it, unfortunately, with, with TERFs who often are focusing most of their energy on putting down trans people, they're not actually helping their cause of feminism because trans people are 1% of the population, right? So how many trans people are business executives? How many trans people are on you know, the highest courts in government? Probably zero, right? Mm -hmm. So trans people are not actually the ones that are oppressing women. Trans people are not taking anything from women. They're just trying to say, hey, we exist too. That, that's, that's really it. It's a really low bar for, for inclusivity and for acceptance of another human. It's just saying, hey, we exist. Can, can you just acknowledge that we exist? We're not trying to pretend to be someone we're not. We're not trying to take things away from women. We're not betraying our gender to be something else. We're just, we just exist and that is all. So I would, I would love for you know, some of the heat to come down in this conversation, because I do think it is an element of I was hurt. So therefore, I have to put it on someone. 
but it is a bit of punching down instead of fighting the person that's actually oppressing you. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the arguments that I've heard, um, I remember having uh, a discussion with a woman who she's, you know, an an older lesbian who's fought the, the battles and I get it. I mean, you have to respect the battles that were fought. Absolutely. There their argument, though, her argument was that, well, if you're becoming a woman later in life, then you didn't have the struggles of growing up as a woman early on. And, I'm, and my thought is, okay, but there were other struggles. I mean, it wasn't that life was so easy. And then all of a sudden, so I think to compare struggles and to compare traumas and to compare difficulties, that's a waste of energy. When it's like you're saying, you're not asking for the whole they're asking for a little, it's just, you just, we're just going to move over a little bit to leave some room, <laughs> to open up some room, right? It's not their, people who are transgender aren't looking to take over the world. They just want a place in it, right? Yeah. I mean, I could talk about trauma all day long. I'm, I'm trauma informed. I love everything that has to do with trauma, but um, <laughs> that sounds funny, I mean, except for, <laughs> except for that it happens. You know, I think that, I think that most of us in society, regardless of our minority status, have had traumas and how we deal with it and what we do and how it informs everything we do in our lives is a conversation that is much bigger than this and needs to be had. But you were talking about gatekeeping earlier. And when you were saying, you know, you weren't a woman earlier in life and now you are, and you didn't fight these struggles. The very first thing I thought of is on another aspect of, of queer life that, that is not part of this, but it's tangential is gold star lesbians and saying, if you were if you were straight as a kid and you just came here when you're 40 years old, like you're not a lesbian, like, like you don't deserve to be here. And it's like, well, are you a lesbian or are you not? So it's like, you, I mean, you're here. Um, you're here mm-hmm. now. We don't all have the same experiences. And like you said, comparing struggles is not usually relevant because even if two people have the exact same struggle, they're right. going to have different reactions to them. So it Absolutely. is how it affects us, not necessarily what happens to us. So I think the more important thing is saying, we all have struggles. We all know what that's like. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to use our struggles to make us more compassionate and more inclusive to other people so that they don't have to feel so alone? Or are we going to use it as a bat to beat people with? Absolutely. I mean, I think that nothing good comes from not letting people evolve too. Like when you talk about the whole gold star lesbian thing, and, and again, as somebody who came out later in life, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why some women do come out much later is because there is that feeling of, well, have I earned it? You mm-hmm. know, am I, am, am I going to be accepted? And, and, and I've spoken to some women who have been out for a very long time who were surprised when they said that they're like, no, no, we accept everyone. And I'm like, mm. you know, it's, it's been, I've spoken to a lot of people in this situation and, and they've said it's been very welcoming. However, there are also some people who said there, there are people who have an issue with that. And I think it's a shame to, to not recognize that we're, we're all evolving. Like we're always evolving. Some people more than others, but, but I think that that's the whole thing is that we shouldn't, labels are tough. I mean, I think that so often we feel for ourselves, but more, I think more for other people, we feel like we need to make things easy for people. So it's easier for other people if we say, this is who I am. And then they can sort of go, okay, and, and as long as they understand it, then they're good with it. But the minute you say, well, I don't really, I don't really have a label. I think that that, that that's tough. However, I think it can also be really liberating. I think the fact for a lot of us who, who felt for a big part of our lives that we didn't fit a certain label and felt that something was wrong 
being able to say, well, I don't need to fit a certain label and I could feel whoever, however I want to feel that any, any particular day. I think that that is liberating. And so I think we need to support people in figuring out, you can be freaking 85 years old and figure out something different about yourself. And that's, that's great. I mean, that's why we have so much time. Like it, <laughs> if we're here, we might as well use it to figure out who we are. So go back to pronouns for a second. So why, cause that's, I mean, you hear about that a lot now and I, oh God, I just saw a video the other day on some, one of the social media platforms. I was like, oh, pronouns, you know, like, like I'm like, we thought pronouns forever. Like <laughs> it's like, the, it's almost, it's such a weird argument. Like people think that, that like the whole non-binary thing or trans that it's it's creating pronouns like mm-hmm. what we learned about pronouns it, like <laughs> some of us said apparently <laughs> it's so strange so explain the importance though of, mm-hmm. of pronouns and being properly them being used properly yeah I, I mean it's so funny to me because people will say things like I will never use pronouns and there's a pronoun in that sentence it's it's I you know I love grammar I love the language the English language I took a bunch of linguistics classes I love words and for someone to not know what pronouns are it's very baffling to me I also hear people say all the time oh uh, I talked to them and they said this and um I wanted to do this and they're talking about this single person and when I point that out to them when they told me that they would never, ever use they pronouns, they're like, oh, well, that was just a mistake. I just did a grammatical error, you know, as if that's an exception to something that they just do naturally. And I don't know why that is, why it's so natural for us to use they and say, oh, they left their wallet somewhere. But if one person says, please call me they, it feels like such a barrier and it's so hard. And I'm, I'm not exactly sure why that is. And I, I know there there is a difference. It's, it's kind of like a unconscious what we're just talking versus a very conscious effort. Pronouns are part of how we relate to the world. It's part of how people refer to us. So it's kind of like somebody calling you by the wrong name. So let's say that you have a friend named Mike and he is a bodybuilder and drives a truck and, you know, loves country music, like all these, all the things that, you know, things make him at the very end of the masculine spectrum, just, just loves being a man. And <laughs> you go up to your friend, Mike, and you call him Michelle and you keep calling him, she, her pronouns. Do you think Mike's going to be very happy with you? Do you think Mike's going to think that this is awesome? I mean, you might be in a little bit of a danger. Maybe, maybe I should use someone else as an example of someone who might not say anything back to you. Um, But in general, when somebody calls you by the wrong name, especially after you've already told them your name, it doesn't feel that great. And you don't really feel very respected by that person. And so that is true for when someone changes their name and asks you to call them a different name. And it's also true for the pronouns that they refer to themselves with. For some people, pronouns are the single most important thing that represents their identity, especially people who have a very clearly defined sense of gender, certainly binary trans people, if you call them the wrong pronoun, that is horrifying. That's so disrespectful. That's saying that I don't acknowledge who you are today. You know, you are a butterfly. I'm going to call you a caterpillar till the end. For non-binary people, some people also have a very clearly defined sense of gender, whether that 
changes frequently and they're gender fluid or they just have a very clear sense of who they are. And they might say, this is my pronoun and this is what I need to be called. And that is my main form of identity. And then there are other people like me, for example, where pronouns are not the most important thing in my life. And so that's why I give an array of options to call me by because it's just, you know, honestly, none of them feel amazing to me. So you might as well just try a bunch of different ones and see how that goes today. <laughs> and that is not that in the box, crystal clear, uh, you know, label that we all look for because we love labels because they help us make sense of things. That's why we name colors. That's why we have uh, diagnoses. It helps us be like, okay, that's what that is. Now I understand it. When things don't have labels, it's harder to understand. And when things are harder to understand, we get less comfortable, we feel a little more afraid, mm -hmm. and then that fear turns into dislike. Right. But some things just really don't have the proper label, and that's just the way it is. It's a little more murky, and it's a little less understandable, but it's true. So in general, for me, I know how important pronouns are to other people. So if they ask me to use a specific pronoun for them, especially if it's something that's not personally comfortable for me, like a neo-pronoun or, or something I hadn't heard of before, Mm -hmm. I do it because even though it's not the most important thing to me, it is extremely important to this other person. And it's not important that I understand why it's important to this other person. It's only important that I respect this other person. That's it. That's really it. I really don't, under I don't need to understand um, this person's attachment to it. I just need to do what they've asked me because it is basic respect. It's like they're showing me basic respect by calling me um, what I like to be called. It's so funny because it really is that because it's that simple. Although it really, somebody listening going, "Ah, eh, it's not very simple." <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, in the sense of, especially, so if you take two things, if you take it somebody that you don't know, somebody you're coming into contact with for a brief, whatever, whether it's a work thing or you're in a store or whatever, it, it, what's the damage on your life? if you just use the person's correct pronoun that they gave. Like it's not, yeah, you might feel it's weird. You might not get it, but like, it's not, it's, then you leave and it's not having a negative impact on your life. So why be disrespectful? If it is somebody that is part of your life, then, then why wouldn't you want them to feel respected and support? Again, yes, if, if you've known somebody who for all your life, they've been using one pronoun and then they switch, it's like if somebody gets married and they change their name or if somebody mm -hmm. just decides to change it or whatever, it's kind of like, oh, wait, okay. you're So you might take a minute, but yeah. Okay. So you'll be uncomfortable for a minute You or you have to think for a second. But in the grand scheme of things with all the things that we have to deal with, is it really such a big deal? Um, two questions though, about something you just said. One is, and this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning with making mistakes and and feeling okay with that and i so here's something that i read and then i, I believe in your book um you would say it, like, if you accidentally misgender somebody well there's a difference between accidentally misgendering somebody and purposely which is just an awful thing to do there's also if you if somebody presents as one gender and but it's it, but they they want to be called by a different referred to in a different way it can kind of, you can make that mistake. And I think as long as you're trying, you know, it's, oh, it, it's, it's, again, it's not easy for us. It's a kind of a new thing for a lot of people. So to say, oh, sorry, I continue. I think as long as you're, you, you're obviously making an effort. 
However, I read something and I thought, oh, come on, where <laughs> I can't remember where I saw it, but somebody was saying that it's not okay to apologize, that if you accidentally misgender somebody, that you shouldn't say, oh, sorry, and then use the, the correct pronoun, that you have to say, thank you. Thank you for correcting me. Because if you say, I'm sorry, then it leaves it up to the other person to say, oh, that's okay. And to kind of, and I get that. But I also, to be very honest, and I might get some flack for this, but I also think that's asking people, it, it, I mean, it's going to sound terrible, but it's, it's just, it's kind of like, that's when I think somebody who might be struggling more would kind of go, oh, come on. Like, really? Like, I'm trying, you know? And I think, I think that there has to be a little bit of flexibility there if somebody is really trying to kind of make it, well, you're trying, but it's not, that's not right. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And what pops into my head was actually going back to the corporate world in this conversation I had with uh, a female executive. And, and she had this habit of always saying, I'm so sorry, I'm late. And she did this with the client maybe 50 times in three days. You know, this client had been waiting and waiting and waiting because we had not finished the project. And she said to me once, is there any feedback that you have for me? Anything that I could be doing better? And I said, I think you're fantastic with clients. I think that they love you. There's something I read about that I think might be a little bit helpful here, which is instead of saying, I'm so sorry, I'm late. I'm so sorry I didn't get this to you on time. What if you tried, thank you for your patience? Because at this point, the client has had to say, oh, don't worry, no problem, um, it's okay. And what, like, at least 50 times. And if you say, thank you for your patience, the client will say, okay, yeah, thank you. And it's a bit of a right. difference because when we mess up, we have an instinct and it's such a strong instinct. It's so natural. I absolutely have it, which is, we want to be completely atoned and forgiven right away. It's all of our people-pleasing nature. We just want to say, please tell me I'm fine. Please tell me you still like me. And what that comes out in is profuse mm. apologies. So we say, oh, I'm so, 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 so sorry. Like, like, is it okay? Like, um, sorry about what I said about five minutes ago. I, I know I already apologized. I just want, I just want to apologize <laughs> one more time. And while that seems really nice. And like, you know, you're, you feel bad. You made a mistake. It puts a lot of pressure on the other person to keep saying, it's fine. You're, you're fine. I still like you, know. all of that. And when you already felt a kind of sting from being disrespected, even though it was unintentional, because, you know, intentions absolutely matter. And it, it's really important when somebody is doing their best. But when you're unintentionally disrespected, it's kind of like somebody stepped on your foot. And there's right. a big difference between if somebody steps on your foot by accident or if somebody steps on your foot because they don't like you and they just really want to step on your foot that day, but it still hurts. Your foot still yeah. hurts. So yeah. if you're spending all of your time consoling the other person for stepping on your foot, that just gets kind of tiring. You know, if, if it's one single interaction, that would be fine. That would make sense. But like I, like I said about the, the story with my, um, you know, the executive, she, she had already said sorry about 50 times to this client. This was not a one-time thing. And when you are seeing people in their lives, they're not having conversations about gender or pronouns just one time, just with you. They're probably having 20 of these conversations a day. And that can right. really weigh on you. And even if it sounds so small, like, oh, these are just words. Why do words matter? Every single bit of Disrespect, even if it's completely unintentional, you've had the absolute best intentions, adds 
to your allostatic load. It adds to the stress that you carry with you and that weighs you down all day that is hard to get rid of when you're not just facing people who have the absolute best intentions and you know they love you so much, but you're also facing government officials that want to deny you rights and you're also Mm -hmm. facing people who are actively hateful. It all just adds up together until it makes it just it just hard to go on. So I think the most important thing is having good intentions. And when your intentions are as pure as as I think that they are, at some point you can move on and say, okay, I've done the apology thing profusely many times now. Maybe next time I'll try something different. And maybe next time I I accidentally misgender someone, I'll just say, thank you so much for correcting me. And I'll just move on. And that discomfort that I feel knowing that I really want that person to like me and I really have this people pleaser in me that makes me feel so uncomfortable right now. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stay with that and I'm just gonna keep that because as uncomfortable this is for me, I know that this other person probably has a lot more uncomfortable situations that they've probably had just today. So I can hold that for them and that's gonna be a gift that I'm gonna give in this moment. So there is something that I want to take I want to take this a bit further because explain to me the whole neo Mm-hmm. Because, <laughs> because again, I find that that takes something that can be a little bit complicated and really throw a lot of extra stuff in there. So <laughs> can you break that down? So, I'm sure just first explain what that is and then why that is. <laughs> sure. So neo pronouns are also pronouns similar to I, we, you, she, they. They're just pronouns that don't have historical reference. Some of them do, actually. Some of them have been around for decades, but most of them are relatively new. And some of them, honestly, were made up either on Tumblr in the last few years or by an individual person. So these are- It feels like, yeah, it feels like that. Exactly. So these are are brand new. They have no basis in history. So we didn't talk about this a lot, but non-binary people have existed forever in many, many ancient civilizations. And- certainly a lot of indigenous tribes and still today, but neo-pronouns Sorry, are... I'm going to interrupt. Sorry, oh, I'm going to cut you off just for one second, mm-hmm. just because I think that that's a really important point to make. Non-binary people didn't appear because of TikTok. It's not because it's the trendy thing to do. I think a lot of the criticism is like, oh, now everybody's, everybody's queer and everybody's trans and everybody's non-binary. And they blame millennials and, and so let's, I, I really think that's an important, I don't want to just skim over that. So can you just say that again? It's, it's, this is something that's been around. We didn't know it or some people do, but, but this isn't a new thing. This isn't a trend, right? Yes. And it is, it is probably the single most common question that I see, which is why. So I, I wrote the book to answer a lot of really, really common questions that people have that I just saw being asked over and over and again. And I thought, wouldn't it just be nice if we all just had a baseline of information that we could work from so we don't have to keep having these conversations and we can have other more interesting conversations. So one of them is, isn't non-binary just the Gen Z trend? And the answer to that is non-binary people have existed all around the world for thousands of years. And we definitely saw a decrease in visibility, visibility for a really long time because of colonialism and because mm-hmm. of uh, colonization and because of, you know, um, 
conquerors who came in and said, you know, our faith is different than your faith. Therefore, we can only have two genders. And I see that you have three or four or five or seven, and we just can't have any of those people. And they tried to get rid of them to have more control over their subjects. Mm. But it doesn't mean that they didn't exist before then. And it doesn't mean that they didn't exist when there was a little bit less oppression. And the reason why that we're seeing it so much now is because there's never been less stigma around it in modern society. Now that it isn't necessarily, I mean, it can be, but in not all cases is the career ending move to be open and honest about who you are. We're seeing more and more people say, huh, me too. And I see it every single day. I see people in their seventies coming out as non-binary and saying, I feel free for the very first time in my life. And I love it. I love watching people who have lived their entire lives thinking it was okay, you know, but not beautiful. And then in their mm. 70s saying, no, this is who I truly am. I'm going to finally wear what I want to wear. I'm going to be called the pronouns that I want to be called. Maybe I'm even going to change my name in my 70s mm. because I finally learned who I am. And I had this nebulous idea that I wasn't quite who everyone told me that I was, but I didn't quite know how to say it. And now I have this vocabulary where I can say it. And that all ties into neo-pronouns because it's vocabulary. So a lot of these concepts are really about words and vocabularies. And, and you know, labels can box you in, but they can also give you a sense of, huh, that it's not just me. Like, this is a way that I can describe myself to other people. And so a lot of people didn't have the language to say, I'm non-binary, I'm agender, I, you know, I'm bigender, I'm gender fluid. They didn't, they didn't have this language, so they didn't know how to describe themselves to other people. But then they saw other people talking about it and said, huh, that, that feels more true to me than anything I've ever known. And so where neo-pronouns come in is they do take it a step further and they say, okay, all of this, all of this vocabulary is great, but actually I think it could be even better. And it doesn't matter to me that there's no historical precedent for this because this is what makes sense to me. And this is what makes me feel the comfiest in my skin. And if not everyone gets it, that's okay because I know who I am. So me personally, I don't use neo-pronouns for myself. I say that I'm pretty pronoun agnostic when it comes to, you know, what you want to call me. But what, for neo-pronouns, I'd, I'd probably rather not be called neo-pronouns but I know people who only use neo-pronouns. And again, it's not about what I understand or my personal preferences for what I would like for my life. That is what makes them feel alive. And that is what makes them feel seen and feel loved. So when they ask me to use their neo-pronouns, I do it. Even if it's, you know, a word that I've never, ever seen before and it's spelled weird and there's a bunch of X's, I do it because that is respecting them. That's respecting their own autonomy. And when we tell people, you can't be called this, you can't look like this, that's taking away their autonomy and that's policing them. And we just don't have to do that for other human beings. It's funny. It's, it's something I say all the time, all the time. I say this social media, you're, you're, it's flooded with memes and quotes and videos saying, just be you, but they're really saying, you know, but not like that, you know, exactly. it's, like, it's, it's like we push individuality constantly, but it's, if, as, as long as, you know, I want you to live your best life, as long as your best life looks like my best life, as long as mm -hmm. it doesn't make me uncomfortable. Exactly. And so 
I, I will tell you, yeah, I've seen some neoprene. And can you just give examples of what, of what that looks just for people who have no idea what it is? It's just letters that are, because you really can make them up, right? I, I mean, I think I've seen MXE. I've seen like just XY. Like it really, it's. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's a lot with X's and Z's. Um, uh, there's some uh like she her hers but without the sh so it's just like e er ers and there's some like z zier um there's some that's spelled like he and his but with but with y's and then and this gets a little far out so so i i do think it's important you know because everyone focuses on not everyone but a lot of people do focus on new pronouns as saying this is too extreme this is out there mm-hmm. this is too out there this is why i don't support non-binary people and I think it's important to mention that not all non-binary people use neopronouns, first of all. Right. And even if, you know, a number of them do, it still doesn't really change that it's not my business. It's just not my business right. what other people want to call themselves, even if I think it's a little weird. I saw something recently about a teacher who was saying they were using a neopronoun and they sent a letter out to the parents and the parents had a thing with it. But I mean, the kids are like, okay, like it's, yeah, it's really, it's kids, just a name. Kids, are, kids I, actually kids. understand gender so much better than adults do because they don't have this conditioning that we've had through the media and commercials and TV shows and our rules that we've had our entire lives. When kids, when you when you tell kids about gender and you tell them that someone is non-binary or someone's transgender, they get it immediately. They immediately know and they don't have judgments around it, which shows us that this isn't something, this this idea of there only being two choices for all of the billions of people in this world. It's not something that's inherent to us as humans. It's something that we're taught. And so it's something that we can unlearn this conditioning of saying, oh, there are only two choices and that's true for every single person and can be open to the idea that that's true for most people. Honestly, it's true for almost all people. However, there are some people that that is not true for, and maybe I can learn a little bit about them. You know, it's so funny because you think back to, you know, way before your time with uh, when it's with Mr., Mrs., and Miss. And then Ms. came. And that's like, oh, my God. It's like such a feminist thing. Like, I remember, like, Ms. was like, that for some people, like, that's too far, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, (laughs) it really is just kind of going, oh, no. Like, the the whole point about sort of getting older is, I think there are a lot of people who believe, there are a lot of people who believe that it's, yes, you have to respect your elders and there's things to learn from people who have experienced stuff before you. Absolutely. At the same time, you know, you would hope that you don't become somebody as you get older who is closed off to learning something new because I do think that we can learn a lot from the people who are coming up now. And and to go back to your point about it being around for a long time and not being a trend, um, a Gen Z thing. I mean, I've heard the same thing with just queer oh my God, everybody's gay now. And it's like, well, maybe everyone was gay before. We just- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Everyone's just free now. Have, <laughs> they just didn't have, they just weren't terrified. I mean, some still are, but they weren't terrified to come up because they didn't have people saying, especially, I think that's one thing I have to say, people will crap on social media all the time and, and with good reason. However, I'm thinking about the kid who's living in a small town who might feel like they're the only gay person there. And then they go on yeah. to TikTok and there's this community of people who are saying, you're awesome. You know, that saves lives. It does. Right? That, that kind of thing. So 
So for anyone to say, oh, it's making people, it's not making anybody queer. It's just, it's just giving them the support they need to, to be who they are. And that's really what the whole thing, what it all comes down to. Because again, you don't have to understand somebody's life to, you know, you don't even have to respect it. Like I say all the time, I don't care if everyone respects you. You don't have to respect me, but you have to treat me with respect. I don't mm. care. I don't care. Or just don't be around me, but you don't have <laughs> to understand how I live, but I won't be disrespected. You know what I mean? And I, and I think it takes nothing to, to show somebody. It's the bare minimum is to just yeah. say, this is who you are. Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to challenge I, you on who you are. I mean, that's the craziest, most arrogant thing <laughs> ever. Exactly. So why would someone else know more about me than I know about me? Or why would I know more about someone else than, than that person knows about themselves? I do want to say a comment about age, though, because it's so common. People say, oh, you know, these kids are just being crazy and attention-seeking and people who are older can't learn new tricks, whatever. Do old dogs can't learn new tricks. And what I'm actually seeing over and over, I'm in my mid-30s. Uh, I'm not Gen Z, and I learned so much from Gen Z. I am floored with how open they are and how they are just willing to put themselves out there in ways that I absolutely was never able or willing to do when I was 18. And then I see people over and over again in their 70s and their 80s who are either coming out as non-binary or talking to their grandkids who are non-binary and being the most loving and the most mm. accepting, even more than their parents are. You know, if their parents are in their 50s and 60s and their grandparents are in their 70s and 80s, their grandparents are saying, I don't care what your name is. I don't care what you look like. You're my grandkid. I love you. You're welcome here anytime. Like, thanks for telling me. And it is the most beautiful thing that I see to just tell someone that you love that, that you love them. And however, you know, they're living their life in this great journey that we're all just trying to do our best in is okay, because you'll still be there. So when people say, oh, I can't change because I'm old, that's not always true. It's still a choice that we make. You know, we have more oh, years of conditioning. Absolutely. We have more years of these subliminal messages that are getting into us and telling us who we can be and who we can't be. But there's always a choice that we can just take the smallest baby steps to unlearn some of that and say, you know what? I don't understand these crazy kids, these 18 year olds, but then maybe there's something I can learn from how open they are and how willing they are to just try different things. And even if I don't like it, maybe it's a little interesting to me. So there are the tiniest micro differences and it's so nuanced. And the important point, like you said, is it's not about memorizing a list of terms and being like, okay, I've aced this vocabulary test. I know everything. I know every single micro label out there. No, like you don't, you don't need to do that to be an ally. The only thing you have to do to be an ally is to just say, uh, okay, person in front of me, I care about you. How can I support you? What, what would you, what, what would you like of me that would feel supportive at this time? The person in front of you isn't your personal encyclopedia or your circus freak. So that's, that's not learning from them in that way. But in terms of remembering that you're in a relationship with another human being, whether that person is in your family or your friend or an acquaintance, how would you treat any other family member or friend or acquaintance who has a different experience than other people and might need just a tiny bit of extra support? You would probably say something like, I care about you and I want to be supportive to you. What would, what would feel good to you right now? And then have mm -hmm. that person give their own very individualized answer because we are all different people and we need different things. So it is possible that you 
have someone who loves vocabulary and wants you to memorize a hundred vocabulary words. It's very unlikely, but I'm not going to put it out of the realm of possibility entirely, but more likely that person will just say, can you please call me by this name? And can you please use this pronouns for me? And can you help me with this family member that I'm having a little bit of a hard time with? And it's why I'm so grateful to have started this podcast because just in, in speaking with you, and I've always considered myself a pretty open-minded, live and let live person. And I, and I do, but I, there were things I didn't understand. I mean, before we even started, I said, I don't understand some things. And, and you really just in this conversation clarified so much of that for me. And so it, it really is about being open to learning something because it really does seem so much more complicated than it, than it really is. And just to, to just talk. Um, tell people again the, the full title of your book and, uh, and where they can find it. And then it'll be in the show notes as well. Uh, sure. So the book is called Non-Binary for Beginners, Everything You've Been Afraid to Ask About Gender, Pronouns, Being an Ally, and Black and White Thinking. And if you read it and love it, I would really appreciate if you would write a review on Amazon because that helps other people find mm -hmm. the book. And what I've been finding about people who've read this book, especially allies, is that they just get a lot more confident in having these conversations. I hear story after story of people telling me that their families have started talking again after they weren't talking previously or their partners yeah. are more understanding of them and that they are just a little bit more excited to be an ally because of some very simple information that's in this book. Because it's just a little bit in, of information that we all seem to be lacking that I see the same questions over and over again. So once people have just a very small amount of information, it's a, it's a really quick read, they just get a lot more comfortable with it and a lot more confident. And at least this part of the world seems a little bit less scary so that they can connect better with other people. So uh, I, yeah, I hope that happens for you too. I'm so glad that you had this conversation with me. And I look forward to, I now feel more confident in having more conversations like this, like this too. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Marcy. Take care. And thank everyone for listening. And I will see you next week on how to read your own reputation.